Yo, 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 and welcome back to the Banter Boys Podcast. My name is Sanji, with me is nobody, because this is an inside track special. So as promised, during the preseason, we said we'd want to bring back the inside tracks reps, you know, keep in touch with them. So what we've done over this international break is have uh, some of our reps uh, send us some solo recordings that were compiled into mini montages. So essentially, uh, they're answering the following questions. The first question is from their club, which assets would they currently buy low and sell high second question any surprising statistics from the first four game weeks and then finally their current season forecast based on how their club has started their season so one by one i'll be introducing the name of the rep the club that they're representing and their twitter handle so if you could kindly give them a follow show your support and you know if you have any questions feel free to reach out but yeah Let's get started. So kicking us off is one of our regulars, Andrew, also going by the handle at DraftHash. He's representing Manchester United. How you doing, everyone? My name is Andrew, and I'm the Manchester United rep for the Banter Boys Inside Tracks podcasts. What we're going to do today is we're going to chat about Manchester United, how they've got on in the first four weeks and what my thoughts are for the rest of the season. Starting off though, we're going to chat about which ones, which players I think you should try and target in a buy low process. First up, Mason Mount. Now hear me out on this one. It's not been the best of starts for the former Chelsea star boy. Let's face it, the only way it could be any worse is if he was still plying his trade at Stamford Bridge. Just like the rest of the Man United players though, Mason really can think that things can only get better. Now, there's a lot of pressure on Mason. He's moved to a big team, the price tag, and he doesn't really know what his best position is. He's out until the end of September, but he is targeting a return to the Bayern Munich game in the Champions League. Personally, I think it's more likely that he'll be back either at Burnley away or maybe the home game to Palace. That's our next two games after the match against Brighton. Now, why do I think he's a buy-low? Let's face it, he's not been good this season. He'll never replace Bruno but there's definitely an opportunity opening up on that right-wing position at United. Under Tuchel, at Chelsea, Mason played some of his best stuff on the right, and with Sancho being a big baby and Anthony in a whole heap of trouble, I think it's time to mount up. The introduction of Rasmus Hoyland too can certainly take a lot of the expectation off of Mason. Should make it a bit easier for him in the next few games. While you are waiting for Mason to come back into the fold, it might be worth checking out your free agency for Palestri. He's only 1% owned in the way things look at in fan tracks right now. He is very much like Garnacho though and he plays his best off the bench. And with all those extra minutes, that might not be a bad thing the way things are going just now. My other buy low target, it's a bit of a long game here unfortunately, but it's Luke Shaw. Look, Luke Shaw's out until middle of October, quite possibly November by the time he's fully fit. But you should expect him to come straight back into the team. We all know that Shaw's the kind of player that just improves the second that he has some competition. He's now got two players vying for his position, so I'm expecting Shaw to really turn it on when he does come back. My advice on this one is pretty simple. Just keep an eye on the team that are currently rostering Shaw. You know, that manager might be getting a bit kind of up against it if he's not winning many games. You know, you might be able to just offer him the opportunity of having a free roster spot. Throw some fab their way. You never know. You might get a deal at a great price. 
We are yet to really see what Regulon can offer in the Man United shirt, but like I said earlier, I still expect Shaw to come back in and take his place back regardless of who's playing. Our second section is who we should sell high. I'm not really a big fan of this. I mean, in fairness, you're never going to sell Bruno high. Um, and Rashford's probably the only other option. Now, the good thing about Rashford is he likes to be finally on the left wing, with Hoyland finally starting. And after the Brighton game, they've got such they've got some good matchups to kind of take into account. Away to Burnley, home to Palace, home to Bradford, and then finishing off away to Sheffield United. And that's just before the noisy neighbours make that trip to Old Trafford. You might even want to hold on to Marcus until after the City game. We've got a pretty tasty few games coming up. And, you know, Rashford can definitely rack up the points. And then you'd be able to throw out some big trades. Maybe get yourself a Madison. Apart from that, though, it's looking quite... It's been quite bleak for the first four games for United. So selling high is probably not the best opportunity that we have right now. The only other thing I can think about would be maybe targeting the Dallow owner and trying to offer them AWB if you have him. So the surprising start, stats from game week one to four, I think the biggest surprise is really how poor we've been. Apart from uh, Wan-Bissaka in week one, we've not really kind of set the world on fire. Bruno's been pretty average in all fairness, but you know he's going to come good. What has stood out in the last couple of games has been Ericsson, who's came in for uh, the injuries to Mount. Now, Ericsson's done really well in his last two games since coming in. We've had four key passes, one accurate cross, one assist, one goal and one shot. The concerning thing is, though, that's only second shot on target this year. Like every other Man United fan, I'm really excited about Amrabat coming in. So I think it might be time for Ericsson to kind of move on if you do have him in your squad. I would expect Amrabat to come in and sit, sit alongside Casemiro. So it's going to really limit the amount of time that Ericsson's going to get on the field. The only other stat I'm looking forward to is just how many key passes Onana can get by the end of the season. And there's definitely an opportunity for him to maybe even pick up an assist. His range of passing when he comes up into the halfway line is pretty decent. In fact, he's better than half the Man United defenders, in all fairness. So the final section is just how I think the current season is going to work out compared to how things have gone so far. You know, we've not started well. And I think I said earlier on that things can only get better. Coming up, we've got a lot of games. There's pretty much two to three games nearly every seven days until December now. We need our players back and we need them fit. The sooner we can get Amrabat into the squad, the better. And of course, we're still waiting for Varane and maybe even Martinez to get back from some earlier knocks in the season. We do, however, have the potential of a front three that could get very exciting. Rashford, Hoyland and Mason Mount really need to click though, but with Bruno picking out passes for them, we could see a few goals in the future. Speaking of Bruno, we do really need him to start stepping up and show why he is the number one draft pick of the season. Personally, I am still confident that we can get a top four finish. And in fact, these next four weeks are going to be very interesting for a whole heap of teams, especially with Europe being in the main focus from now on. But for all United fans, we just got to believe in Ten Hag. We've got to trust his process and we've got to just rely on him to take us forward. Anyway, hope you've enjoyed listening to this. Like I said, my name's Andrew, also Draft Tash on Twitter. Uh, reach out if you want to hit me up with any questions. Um, and yeah, look forward to listening to the rest of these. Take care. Bye. Next up, 
We've got our Luton Town rep, Ollie. His handle at actual Ollie K. Take it away. Question one. I've been looking at a lot of Luton assets. I started my season with Kabore and Chong and then needs must. And I ended up dropping Chong, um, which was sad, but he, he hasn't been gaining the game time that I thought he would considering he was on loan from Man City. Alfie Doughty played in the right wing back position instead. Um, so I actually bought Tom Lockyer low because I picked him up off the, uh, out of the free agent pool because uh, another person dropped him um, after he missed the West Ham game because of the thigh strain. So I, I traded Kabore with Tom Lockyer. So I guess that was a, a buy low situation. I also managed to pick up Marvelous Nakamba off the uh, free agent um, pool which I was very happy about. Uh, he, he will be getting a lot of tackles and interceptions. Which ones I'd sell high? My my wife actually has Ross Barkley in her team, and he's going great guns. I wouldn't consider selling him high, but also one of my uh, fellow league members has Ryan Giles. And Ryan Giles has been absolutely smashing it. Uh, he potentially could pull in quite a big trade uh there's also the chance of Carlton Morris being one that you could sell high because yeah he he got an assist in his last game he also scored a penalty against Brighton in game week one um but I'd potentially wait until after the double game week that's coming up where we are going to be playing Everton and then Burnley, which are two very winnable games for Luton Town down the bottom of the league. Question two. I wouldn't say there are any surprising Luton statistics from game week one to four. I would say the most surprising one was when Luton Town had played two games and everyone else in the league had played three and then Sky Sports sort of ran with that thing saying uh, Luton Town are currently 19th in terms of shots on target and 20th in passes completed. Well, Luton Town always play w- without the ball, so uh, I wasn't surprised about the passes. But now look, now that we, we've actually played three games and everyone else has played four, uh, we're actually 16th in total shots uh, at goal. So I would say it's, it's kind of getting boring. Uh, with with the uh, the trash talk from the mainstream media, uh, especially Garth Crooks, who who said that we would be relegated before Christmas, which is actually a mathematical impossibility. Um, someone did the maths and calculated for us to be mathematically down by Christmas, as Garth Crooks said. Uh, the team in seventeenth would have had to have taken sixty four points from a possible fifty seven, which is just impossible. Question three. I'm still very optimistic about Luton Town's season. I think that we can survive the drop. We've had a tough start to the season. Brighton, then we had our game against Burnley postponed. Then Chelsea, who decided to 
play football for a change. And West Ham, who are actually flying at the moment. So I, I'm not concerned. Not concerned at all. Uh, we actually could have nicked a point against West Ham had it not been for VAR being turned off and, and James Ward-Prowse giving away that, uh, giving away a penalty that should have stood, uh, but VAR didn't even bother looking at it. Oh, VAR. Well, up next, we have a new face in town, Matt, and he's representing Brentford. However, he's not on Twitter, but you can find him in the Banter Boys Discord server. Hello, I am Matt, here to give an inside track look at Brentford from the perspective of a sort of long-time Brentford fan. So, uh, yeah, let's dive into the first question, which is, uh, which Brentford assets would you buy low and which would you sell high? So for buying low, not too much of a surprise, but I think I would take Ben Mee. Um, he was injured for the beginning of the season. His injury was a bit strange and then each week so far, his return was a bit questionable and possible, but it didn't happen. Uh, that tends to frustrate a lot of fantasy owners. Um, and he started a midweek cup fixture even a couple weeks ago. So he was not even really sure to be a starter even this last match week. Um, part of the reason he might have been rushed back was because Nathan Collins seems to have been doing pretty good as a, as a deputy. Um, so that might make uh, Mee's uh, stock look a little bit lower. Uh, but I think he's still, and this is me, um, is still generally seen within the club to be a sure starter when he's fit. Collins is maybe someone who's more of like safe cover and a, and a prime option when uh, Thomas Frank wants to go to a, a three at the back. Um, and speaking of that, actually, Brentford have maybe used utilized a four at the back system more than was expected at the beginning of the season. Um, I think with Tony out, there was some expectation that five at the back or three at the back actually would have been uh, sort of the direction Brentford would have gone more, but that's not been the case so far. Um, and if that remains the sort of trend, this kind of gives Ben Me, I think, a better opportunity to string up points than maybe people realize. Um, and finally, his, his last game, you know, this previous match week was a bit lackluster and sort of fantasy points. Um, but this, I think this should have been expected because he was just returning back in action from injury. And he's also having to become accustomed to uh, the new goalkeeper in uh, Flecken, who... Um, no matter what happens, is just going to be different uh, in terms of marshalling defense and play style than Raya. That's just something to expect. Um, in terms of selling high, I would go with I would go with Kevin Shada. Um, for one, I think Shada will still have growing pains this season in the Premier League, and also his most sort of notable attribute, which is his his, his explosive pace is something which I think also makes him a tempting choice to keep on the bench at times for an impact sub, you know, when you're going up against, like, tired legs. Um, and it also that same attribute, you know, makes him the most likely forward uh, to be subbed out earlier in matches. Um, and I think one reason his, his stock might be a little bit high is that the loss of Tony um, was seen maybe, could be seen as, like, an assumption that Shada's place Starting place is a little bit more assured. Um, however, that brings me to my next point, which I don't think many non-Brentford fans will freely appreciate. 
which is Neil Malpai. People might not realize this, but Brentford fan club Thomas Frank love Neil Malpai, and Malpai loves Brentford. Um, so I think there is a higher potential than people realize of Malpai moving at times into the starting center forward position the coming month or two because he provides maybe a little bit better hold-up play um, than Visa. But Visa's goal threat means that he will continue to be a strong contender for any starting place and where then Malpai uh, would be replacing in the lineup would essentially be Shada. That's my kind of prognosis. Um, also, Shada had a pretty high a uh, average draft position, only a little bit higher than Wiese's. Um, and his roster kind of percentage has, has shot up quite a bit in the last couple weeks. So that might indicate it's the right time to extract uh, maximum value. Um, oh, and one other fa final point I just noticed. Um, he got another call up to the Germany squad for this uh, round of international fixtures, um, which is another point where that might be bringing his reputation higher at the moment than at least my personal outlook for him uh, will be in fantasy moving forward. So then moving on to uh, surprising Brentford statistics from the first uh, four match weeks, I would say Rico Henry. Um, I've usually been a bit pessimistic on Rico for what kind of offensive fantasy production he can give. Um, he's usually been pretty abysmal for things like assists, shots on target, key passes, etc. Considering that he plays as a fullback and a pretty quick countering team. Uh, and he had, you know, a big target man like Tony to aim at. Um, but so far this year, he's over a key, key pass a game. Um, and already, you know, has one assist, which for Rico Henry is, is, is pretty high. Um, and his dribbles, his successful dribbles this season, have also been quite a bit higher, at least on a per-match basis. Than last season, um, I was looking at his uh, uh, FB ref page, and we see a similar thing there. Um, his uh, non-penalty XG plus expected goal assisted go goals um, is already about 25% what it was um, for the entirety of last season. So that's four games versus 37. Um, one would, you know, it ends up as 1.1 versus 4.2 last season and 3.3 the season before. So we can see a bit of an upward trend, but still it's, it's been a bit more than I've expected. Um, maybe, I sh maybe it is something I should have expected because Thomas Frank has repeatedly emphasized uh, that Rico Henry needs to add more threat and flair to his attacking game. Um, and his, his dream goal and a goal for Brentford too is for you know, Rico to kind of earn an England call-up. And I think demonstrating more in attacking output is the way that he has to go about this. So uh, it could be an indication that he's, you know, developed his game a little bit and taking something on board. Um, however, I'd still be cautious to assume that there will be some major breakout where he will become some kind of uh, large offensive production kind of fullback. Um, but still, I've always been quite pessimistic that he's got this in his game. So um, it is a surprise for me, even if it wouldn't qualify as maybe a buy low. Because I think he's the fact that he's demonstrated already is more of like a buy medium, buy high kind of situation. Um, and then for current season forecast, uh, which is the third question, a little bit also it's something that I would 
throw in as being surprising, which is that nothing seems to have changed. It seems like the we're just continuing the exact same thing, despite Raya and Tony, uh, the two of which are by far the, our most cons- important players, I would have said, last season. Um, but doesn't seem to be changing anything. Um, you would expect it to. Big change in uh, play style. Um, maybe that should change the kind of outcomes. But we still see the same thing. Uh, very high number of draws. We were tied for the most draws last season with Newcastle, already well ahead with three from everyone else. Drew Crystal Palace again, the most predictable thing in the world. Every single match we've had in the Premier League has been a draw. That's continued. Um, so if I had to guess, my forecast would be, I guess, something in the same kind of direction, which is a uh, turn from what I might have thought uh, preseason, which I thought there might have been some more variants, but it looks like we might be continuing on the exact same kind of trends. So I would guess something like a 8th to 11th finish. I would expect some teething issues in defense where everyone's still trying to get used to, to flecking in, in, uh, in goal. Um, and, you know, an, a different style of play in which the keeper doesn't launch 50% of passes long to Tony. Um, and I would expect us to continue to be particularly dangerous against top sides and a bit more pedestrian against mid-table sides like Palace and Villa. Um, and the final thing is I would expect uh, Mbuemo to become a bit of a breakout star or even uh, you know, casual Premier League watchers will start hyping him up a bit, uh, a bit like how Tony started to earn some real hype last season and, and catch the eye of... Uh, think even casual fans, I think Mbuemo is sort of on that track. So that would be my uh, forecasts for Brentford's season right now after match week four. Up next, we've got Ross, and he's representing Nottingham Forest. His handle, at RossTaylor79. So when we talk about by low from Nottingham Forest, we have to talk about the most informed striker in the Premier League. So maybe he's above the radar now, but you might also be able to pick him up on the cheap just based upon training someone with better name recognition. But Taiwo Wanyi has basically been hot and carrying his hot streak all the way through from last season. He's the first player to score in seven successive games for Forrest since Stan Collymore had the extra goal involvement, even though he didn't score at Chelsea. And he is super hot right now. So maybe you'd be able to trade him in for someone who on paper may be a bigger name, um, but doesn't have as good an outlook. Similarly, as I mentioned in the inside tracks conversation, Brennan Johnson, although he's no longer a Forest player, maybe someone you want to pick up on the old buy low because his outlook, I think, from a from a kind of Fantrax perspective is stronger as part of a Spurs team which is very front-footed so you might be able to pick him up on the cheap if you drafted Brennan um, earlier in the season like myself so I'm holding Brennan keeping an eye on him thank him for his service to Nottingham Forest but also hoping that he delivers me points um, as a Spurs player from a sell high perspective at Forest really have to think about the defender rotation. So although Willie Bolly and Joe Worrell and to a lesser extent, Scott McKenna have been super strong and present in the Forest defence this season, 
I think there is some rotation coming. And similarly with Matt Turner and goal, I think there could be some risk there as well. I actually hold Matt Turner as, a, as an existing goalkeeper, but Forrest did transfer in a goalkeeper, an international Greek goalkeeper in the window. So I think there might be some rotation risk there for Turner. Um, so maybe he's someone you want to just get off your books for someone who's got some more reliable outlook as a trade. Similarly, at left-back, Nuno Tavares came in from Arsenal and Ola Anna, who, Aina, who started so well for Forrest, you know, may also be a bit more vulnerable to rotation. So generally speaking, if you're holding a Forrest player and got some good points early on in the season, you may want to consider selling them high, uh, try and get someone with a bit more predictability as that rotation risk really could take flight. The key thing from a Forest perspective, though, is because we had such a huge transfer window, and I think we definitely won the transfer window, uh, certainly on the transfer closed day. Um, we signed you know, several players, too many to mention. We had about 10 out and I think 17 in over the course of the, the summer. Um, so there's a few free agents who are knocking around who may otherwise go under the radar to Fantrax users. The big one here is Ibrahim Sangare. He's a £30 million uh, signing from PSV. You know, he had the option of playing Champions League football this season, but took the Forest project forward. He really is that robust engine midfielder that Forest have long been looking for, trying to get better ball retention in the centre of the park. And I really think a lot of the midfield is going to be built around him. So Ibrahim Sangari is a player um, that I'm certainly looking at trying to hold uh, in my squad as he beds in uh, for Forest. Similarly, ones to watch, who are probably free agents in many of your leagues, Divock Origi came in from AC Milan. Uh, he can play both on the left side wing or down the centre, depending on Taiwo's availability. Um, so he could be someone to hold, as well as Antina Langa. And the other name we mentioned previously is the signing of Callum Hudson-Odoi, who many might remember as being a Chelsea darling in his youth and linked with Bayern Munich for 50 plus million pounds. Well, Forrest picked him up for 5 million. I think Steve Cooper's going to turn him into an absolute gem. He's going to get some good access to game time as a result of coming in post Brennan Johnson's departure on that right-hand side. So keep an eye out for Callum Hudson-Odoi. Maybe want to stash if you've got an available spot within your squads. From a stats perspective, I think Forest have been super strong this season. We've accumulated more away goals and more away points than I think we did the entirety of last season in the four games we've you know, been going so far. So we've been certainly way more competitive it took us, I think, it, it, until March to get our first away win last season, and we've already done it, beating Chelsea last week. So the outlook is really strong. We had some tough away fixtures, but we've been competitive in all of them. You know, Arsenal away, tough start. Then Manchester United away, tough start. Losing by the odd goal, had a 2-0 lead at United, unfortunately threw that away. Um, and then we managed to seal the win against Chelsea. So as a result, looking strong. Um, we still want to build on the possession stats. Not very dominant away from home, very much a counter-attacking team, but we seem to have that formula that works and it's carried over from last season. So I don't think their forests are as much of a rotation risk as they probably were in previous seasons. And from a perspective of the overall forecast, I mean, Forest, I think, are well ahead of schedule. Not only do we have a great transfer window, uh, but, you know, with that win at Chelsea, I was hoping we'd maybe pick up the odd point in those first three games away from home that were super tough. And we managed to get all three of them at Stamford Bridge. So we're probably a couple of points ahead of schedule. And then looking down the league, I think there's a good five, six, maybe more teams where we can somewhat confidently look at the table and look at the performances and say, 
we're in a way stronger position and should be confident that we will retain that. You know, league position today has us above Villa, has above Manchester United, has above Chelsea. Now that's not going to stay, but we're certainly playing well enough to stick to a formula, stick to a game plan and certainly think there's going to be at least five or six teams worse than Forest come the end. And then potentially, if we can bet in this improving squad as a result of this strong transfer window, you know, we could dare to dream. Maybe even a top half finish, uh, knocking on the door of those Euro places with maybe a good cup run. So Forest is strong. You know, I'm bullish about the outlook for this season. Um, certainly, it's always about just staying safe. And the earlier we can get safety, the better. I think I was in the inside tracks discussion and was hoping it would be three weeks before the end of the season that we'd be safe. Um, I'm hopeful that we can kind of pull that into maybe March time and you know start the uh, party a little bit earlier on. But potentially we could finish moderately around 15, as high as potentially 10. Um, so let's see. And largely as a result of just having a strong culture, the clubs have been running really well top to bottom. The team ethic's strong. We've got those homegrown players in Worrell and Yates who really just hold the standards and really connect the team and the players uh, with the community. We've got a good balance of clusters of different cultures. You know, you know, a pool of players in from Brazil, a couple in from Argentina, you know, a few from Nigeria, Senegal. So there's a real pockets of just integration that's really coming together well. And with Steve Cooper, it's just truly building a family spirit and really just driving improvements to every game we play. So as I say, really bullish about Forest Outlook. I think the assets are pretty strong. If we can just try and solidify some of the defensive um, mistakes and try and get a little bit more dominant in the ball and if Sangari comes in and can allow for an improvement in possession, then I think we could see good returns from the likes of Alanga, hudson Adoy, and then certainly Taiwo Wanyi further up the field. So, uh, yeah, all good at Forest, all good at the city ground, and um, hopeful for the outlook for your uh, Fantrax assets for the rest of the season. And last up, we've got Nick. He's representing Crystal Palace, and his handle is at Korea Ultras. Hi guys, Nick here with some thoughts on Crystal Palace to tide you over during international break. Palace has started the season off well, currently sitting in 7th with 2 wins and a draw. In my opinion, the team's exceeding expectations and have looked better than what I'd predicted heading in. Picking up wins against mid-table clubs like Brentford and Wolves is exactly what we need to be doing in order to move up the table and continue to hold our place in the Premier League. We've seen some great performances from across the pitch. I had listed Anderson and Eze as great draft options coming into the season, and I think both have lived up to that hype. They are currently the 9th and 10th best, best scoring players in the league. Anderson uh, has exceeded my expectations by a good amount, dropping one of the greatest Fantrax defender performances I've ever seen, scoring a goal um, and just a plethora of ghost points against Brentford. He racked up 34.75 points. I don't think that that's a total we will see Anderson hit again this season, 
but he has been a very active defender, racking up 14.7 ghost points per start, which is um, very impressive and is going to build him a really good uh, base for your team. Uh, if Palace can start keeping clean sheets, I think he becomes an even more attractive defender option. That being said, Palace's fixtures will be more difficult in the near future, having Man U, Newcastle, and Tottenham among the next six. I think this leaves Anderson as a pretty good sell-high option. Your league mates surely caught notice of his score against Brentford, and he also scored very well in their opening debut against Sheffield. And so I think uh, you could really find some good value for a player that you will start near every game week because of that high ghost point floor. Another good sell-high option, I think, would be uh, Jeffrey Schlupp. He's averaged 9.2 ghost points per 90, um, which I think helps you build some uh, interest there. Um, I list him as an option to sell, though, because I don't believe his spot is nailed on with Elise back in the near future. Um, Ahamada has looked good in limited minutes off the bench, and then um, as well, Mateus Franca needs to be brought back into that group when he returns from injury. So there's three players who could be coming for Jeffrey Schlupp's spot. I haven't felt that Schlupp was the most... Um, Impressive player out there. He he, you know, has a good steady floor, but um, the team, if I think, if they want to continue to improve and look and move forward, Schlupp is not the best option for them on the wing, and they will likely look at other some of those other options I listed. Um, there's also been some options that I think have gone overlooked. Um, these would be your classic buy low options. Um, I would, I think he's really gone um, overlooked here. I would absolutely be taking a look at Jefferson Lerma if you need somebody um, in your midfield. He's got a very solid floor. He also has been averaging uh, 9.5 ghosts per start um, and has played the full 90 in all four matches. Um, I think it's pretty interesting to note that Lerma leads the team in aerials and interceptions, just to show you kind of the uh, the high activity rate, he's, um, he's, you know, moving all over the pitch, you know, making lots of tackles, interceptions, um, and he's pretty active in the defensive work for the team. So I think that he could be a really good option if you're looking for, you know, a cheap midfield option with a solid floor. Check out Jefferson Lermo. Um, I would also consider this a great time to test the patience of Olise owners in your league, um, and I'll list him as my other buy-low option. Uh, Palace is in strong need of another attacking option, um, someone to relieve the pressure from Eze and help get the ball into Edward. Um, we finally found Edward seeing some form um, with three goals over the last four games. And so, you know, um, you would hope to see that continue. I think that um, his style of play, um, Edward really likes to have the ball 
um, played ahead of him so that he can kind of run into it. And um, that, I think, suits very well to what Olise uh, brings on the wing. Um, and so with Olise likely sitting on, you know, on the bench of another team, I think it's a great idea to see if you could provide that team a starter and you pick up Olise on the cheap for what will likely be an impressive second half, uh, player in Michael Olise. Um, and now we can just kind of, I'll just kind of give some more general, um, thoughts on the team. Um, I've been genuinely surprised by the Palace attack. Um, coming into the season, that was definitely my area of biggest concern. Um, of course, as we mentioned, Elise injured, uh, everyone was talking about Wilfred Zaha gone. Those are, you know, two massive um, pieces of the Palace attack, and so I was concerned about that and couldn't see where the chances would be coming from. Um, largely, you expect um, Eze would be the one that would be picking up those chances, and Eze has absolutely been, you know, one of the best players in the league this season, but um, it's interesting to note he has yet to claim an assist, um, despite a team lead 13 key passes, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, you figure that some of those uh, will need to start connecting with players, and you'll see the um, assists added into Eze's as a scoring. Um, but in his place, we've seen Ayu and Mateta step up, I suppose, with two, two assists apiece. And so just kind of interesting to see where um, the creation has been coming from. Still, you know, it's being, you know, Ayu playing out on the wing in that spot that Olise um, will likely cover. But just, um, you know, an interesting note there. Um, I do worry that Edward will be able to maintain his productivity. Um, he's scored five and six goals in his two previous seasons. Um, and so, you know, he's, he's halfway there. Do we see him fall back into the form that I think Palace fans are more familiar with, in which, you know, he has a hard time finding that, um, not the most clinical finisher, um, or do we see him continue in uh, what, you know, to me has seen has seemed to be a very uh, confident, um, skillful forward. Um, and so I think a lot will depend on that. If we can, um, I think this team, you know, obviously it goes without saying games are won by goals, but I think that Roy has shown... Um, Edward is his preferred striker. I don't know that he has a lot of faith in uh, Jean-Philippe Mateta, especially with um, rumors going around that he was being shopped um, before the deadline. Um, I just don't know that Mateta is looked at as, as a true answer for Roy. Um, I'm also concerned about Joel Ward. Um, He's he surprisingly shown some good bits for me uh, going forward, made a few, you know, good passes into the box. Um, but I think his defensive work has really left um, some questions, getting uh, left behind too many times by, um, you know, that younger 
quicker, more skillful winger. Um, I just don't know that Joel Ward has that pace uh, to keep up, and I would hope that we see, you know, um, Chris Richards might be an option on the right that I would like to see, or, you know, um, I would hope that that would be a position they'd be looking to improve uh, at the next transfer deadline. Um, I think that Palace certainly should be aiming to hold their place in the top 10 and build on the start they've got. Um, rarely in seasons previous have we seen that, um, that good start. Last year, the team finished 11th um, after a 12-game winless streak, saw Vieira fired, and... Um, and so I honestly am hoping that, you know, that gives us a good point to build on. You know, last season, they had this, you know, 12-game winless streak, and now, you know, hopefully they will be able to build off of this and keep the um, forward momentum going, something that they haven't been able to, um, they haven't had that in previous seasons. Um the steady presence of Roy was welcomed by the players in the offseason. Um, they talked about how, you know, the optimism and um, enthusiasm that, that having him brought back to the game, um, especially um, Abere Eze, talked quite a bit about that. Um, and so that kind of gives me some um, added optimism. I hope that it will give them, you know, just a more confident, steady approach to the season. Um but then just, I guess, sort of summary, um, Edward, we're seeing him in some of the best form we've seen. Eze is, you know, every bit the golden boy. Um, Olise back soon. Um, Mateus Franca debuts in the wings. Um, I have a hard time not being positive and expect the club uh, to make that next step up and finish in the top 10 of the league. And that wraps up our Inside Track special update for the international break. You know, keep your ears peeled. We might have another one that drops. But until next time, we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. <laughs>